the first epistle of Paul to Timothy in chapter number 1. And I want to read one verse in verse number 15. And uh, I am... I appreciate the privilege of getting to be in the house of the Lord. I always feel awkward when I don't get to have the opportunity to go home after work and get a suit and tie on. Um, somehow or another, I feel like a modernist preaching in a knit shirt, even if it is a uniform shirt from work, but I still just feel like a modernist. So it takes me a few minutes to get unplugged um, and take off my hat from being uh, in the work world during the day. But I'm supposing... I'm supposing sometimes by looking in the faces of people on Wednesday night, some of you have that same problem. Um, because sometimes you have a different countenance than what you do on Sunday morning. And so I'm guessing I'm not the only person that sometimes has a little trouble getting unfrazzled enough to get the cobwebs out and shake it out and hear the Word of the Lord. But I'd ask you tonight for a little while to do what you can to, if if necessary, shake your head literally, not at me like an old mule, but just shake out all the cobwebs and try to tune in with us for just a few moments. I believe the Lord will help us tonight. Some of the greatest experiences I've ever had with the Lord has been at times when I thought I was too weary to ever experience anything from God. When I felt like I was weak physically and spiritually and at the end of myself, that's been some of the greatest experiences I've ever had with God. And it seems like whenever we get there that uh, if we will just go ahead and refuse the flesh, God uh, rewards us and that the Lord will allow us to be in a special place with him. And so tonight I'd ask you to tune in with us as we look in the word of the Lord. First Timothy chapter one, verse number 15. I'm reading one verse. It's one you should have committed to memory. If it is not underlined, bold faced, italicized and highlighted in your Bible, I would encourage you to do that. The word of God says this is a faithful saying. Now, I would think that everything in the Bible is a faithful saying, wouldn't you? I mean, everything in the Bible, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto good works. And we are to preach this Word. I believe that every word in the Bible is inspired of God and belongs to the Lord. And so everything the Bible says is faithful. If in the middle of that Bible where everything that's in it is faithful, it takes the time to remind you that what he's about to say is a faithful saying, I would say to you it's real important for us to notice what he's telling us. It's almost like when Jesus would say, Verily, verily, I say unto thee. And so that's where the Apostle Paul is. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I'm preaching if the Lord will help me for a few moments this evening on the best for the worst. The best for the worst. And in this Word of God, perhaps no verse in the Bible holds such a vast contrast as what this verse in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15 has. Christ, the only sinless one, the only one who never sinned, neither was God found in His mouth, the only one who was perfect in every way, who is tempted in all ways as we are, yet without sin. Christ, the only perfect one, can came to die for the chief of all sinners and for every guilty sinner on planet earth. And he tasted death, the Bible says, for every man. God gave the best for the worst. This is the truth of the gospel summed up into a single sentence. Paul recorded that this is a faithful saying while also recalling his personal story. He knew he had been a great sinner, but he also knew that he had met a great Savior. And he wanted everybody to know that God gave the best for the worst. Notice concerning this statement, and then we'll preach a little while, but notice about this statement. It's a reliable statement. The Bible tells us this. It says this is a faithful saying. It's a reliable statement. Whenever you repeat verse a verse from the Word of the Lord, whenever you repeat 1 Timothy 1 and 15, you don't have to worry about the veracity of what you are saying. 
saying. It's a reliable statement. It's a faithful saying. This term faithful has legal implications, which in the time of the Apostle Paul was like that of referring to the oath of one taken in a court proceeding. In other words, this statement is a sworn declaration of truth. And it is a truth that never changes. Paul said this is a faithful saying. I have sworn it. This is true. If I've ever told the truth, what I'm telling you is true. And notice he didn't say this was a faithful saying. He said this is a faithful saying. In 2016, while I'm standing here in the United States of America, some 6,500 miles, as the crow flies away from the land of Jerusalem, which the crow couldn't get across the Atlantic Ocean, but as I stand here 6,500 miles away from Jerusalem, 6,500 miles away from the people who mostly were reading these letters in the days of the Apostle Paul, some 2,000 years removed from the writing of these words, it's still a faithful saying that God has sent His Son into the world to save sinners, even to the men like the Apostle Paul, who he said he was the chief of sinners. It is a faithful saying. It's a reliable statement. It's still up to date. It is still true. It is a reliable statement. Then I want you to notice it's a valuable statement. The Bible said that this is a faithful saying. And then the next phrase, it is worthy of all acceptation. The term worthy means that it is worth something. That it has a value. That it has importance or economic value. It's worthy of our attention. It is worthy tonight of us noticing this statement. It's a statement worth declaring. It's a statement worth telling. It's a statement worth having our friends spreading from place to place. A whole lot of what we say is not worth saying. A whole lot of the things that people tell are just not worth telling. Matter of fact, a great number of it, of the things that people say from day to day are things that just shouldn't be spoken about. There are some things that should not even be told that are done in secret that should never be discussed openly. Amen. And the Scripture teaches us that. There are some things that people say that they ought not to even say at all. They ought not to even discuss. But this is one of those things that's worthy of our acceptation. It's worthy of our attention. It is worthy of our allegiance. It's worth digging in your heels and standing by the statement that has been made. It's worthy of our allegiance. It's worthy of our attention. And it's worthy of our acceptation. Amen. Accept the gospel tonight. Receive the message that Jesus came to save sinners. It's a reliable statement, a valuable statement. It is an acceptable statement. He said it's a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation. Everybody ought to receive the gospel that Jesus came and died for our sins according to the Scripture, was buried, and on the third day He rose again according to the Scripture. This is the gospel. And outside of the gospel, friend, there is no salvation for any of us. There is no eternal life for any of us. There is no way to God for any of us outside of the gospel. I don't remember the guy's name, but whoever he was uh, that was the Pope before this communist Pope that we've got now, I can't remember what his name was. Uh, uh, Benedict was he the one that was before the one we got now that is some sort of Benedict to himself. And uh, he's a quiet character, but the one that was before this one, uh, whenever he was at uh, Jerusalem, he went to the wall uh, where they put all those, uh, the mourner's wall, where they put all those notes and uh, prayer requests and stuff them in the wall and so forth. And he wrote at that wall that conversion is not a necessity for salvation. And he stuffed it in the wall. I'm going to tell you something. Don't change an ounce what the Pope had to say about it. Does not change an ounce of what the gospel message is. It's still repent or perish. It is still turn or burn. It is still accept Christ or die lost. It is still Jesus, the only 
way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. This gospel is worthy of our acceptance. Matter of fact, there is no other gospel that is worthy of our acceptance. If you would chase after the gospels of the gods of this world, you'll die eternally lost. You can be so sincere that you're willing to crawl across broken glass. You can be so sincere that you'll walk on fire barefooted. You can be so sincere that you give every drop of your blood or every dime of your finances or every day of your life to serving some false religion. But outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you die lost outside of Him, you'll never make heaven your home. And this is the only gospel that is worthy of our acceptance tonight. My friend, it is worthy of our acceptation. And the word acceptation tonight simply means a favorable reception. A favorable reception. Would you receive the gospel tonight and be favorable towards its truths? Would you accept that God's story is right? And that His way is right? That His cross is right? That His Son is right? And that His truth is right and we are wrong and we've got to have God in our lives above everything and anything else. If you'll ever be saved, that's the gospel you must receive. It does not matter that you showed up tonight on the judgment day. It will not matter that you showed up at prayer meeting on a Wednesday night. That's not your ticket into heaven. It will not matter that you're a member of a Baptist church. That will not get you through the judgment unscathed. And the answer for our sin problem and for the record we've got on the other side is found in the cross of Christ and His cross alone. Oh my! And nothing of myself I bring. Simply to Thy cross I cling. It's the only answer for the sin problem in our world. The entire weight of where we will spend eternity rests upon the shoulders of this one verse tonight. And this one statement that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And if you'll not receive that truth, friend, you can believe in the Ten Commandments. You can believe that it is wrong to steal and to kill and commit adultery. You can try to do good things and to still find hell your eternal home. If you'll deny and refuse the truth of this verse tonight, then there is no other source of hell for hope for you outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The best for the worst. God came. God has sent His Son. God in the flesh. Into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. It's worth receiving tonight. It's worth making it your own. Oh, I remember the blessed night. It's been nearly 27 years now when the Lord came by my way and I had heard this all of my life. But God made it real and made it personal to me that night. And to that very night I came to claim that this gospel account as mine. I came in old Jesus as my Savior. I received it with a favorable reception. I begged God to save my unworthy soul. And the Lord did for me what I could have never done for myself. And I'll never be the same if I live to be a hundred years old. I cannot be what I was before I got saved. I could be mean. I could be ugly. I could get bitter. I could do wrong, but I could not be what I was. Before the Lord saved me, and He changed my life, and He changed who I was, and what I would be. And praise God, the old account was so long ago down on my knees. And I thank the Lord for this precious truth tonight, that Jesus Christ, the best heaven had to offer, came to this earth to save the worst that mankind had to offer. The best for the worst. The best for the worst. Notice tonight this phrase, Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Notice this phrase, the person of whom it speaks. It says Christ Jesus came into the world. Ain't nobody better than Jesus. There's nobody like my Lord. God did not send us an angel or a prophet, my friend, or a heavenly ambassador. He sent us His own Son. 
If he'd have looked all over heaven, he'd have found nobody better. If he'd have looked all up and down through the earth, he'd have found nobody better. If he'd have took interviews and made interviews for years on end, and my friend, he'd have found nobody better. Thank God he cared and he sent us the best for the worst. Back in 1944, a man by the name of C.E. Goodman of the Hallmark Greeting Company wrote a slogan that has stood the test of time for their card company. And the slogan simply says, when you care enough to send the very best. If you go to the Hallmark store or you go to a Walmart or some drugstore and buy you a card for Mother's Day or Father's Day or birthdays, and it's made by the Hallmark company, if you flip it over to the back, very likely it'll still have this slogan written somewhere in the print or the fine print on it some of their paperwork when you care enough to send the very best. God didn't just send us Moses or Elijah or Abraham or my friend Isaiah. He cared enough to send the very best. He sent Jesus unto us. My friend, He sent us His best. He sent us heaven's best. Oh, my friend, He sent us the very best. Jesus to many is not that special, but He's all in all to me. Woo! To many folks, He is the only. My friend is not that much, but He means the world to me. He's the only reason I live, but oh, what a reason. He's the best thing that has ever happened to me. To many, He is just a person. He's a person to many folks. How much of the world thinks that Jesus was just another great person. Have they believed that He was a great teacher or a great philosopher or a great moralist or a great man, but ultimately just another man. But I tell you, He was the God-man. He was the Lord of Jesus Christ. He was God's Christ that became man, Jesus. God the Father cared enough to see Him the very best. He's more than just a person. He's the person of the Son of God. He's the second person of the Godhead manifested in human flesh. He's just a person to many. Oh, my friend, He was just another prophet to others. I mean, some said that He was Elias. Some said He was Jeremiah. Some said He was even John the Baptist or one of the other preachers. Our prophets raised from the dead. But He asked His disciples, saying, Whom do you say that I am? Peter, Simon, Peter answered and said unto him, I say that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonas, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Oh, my friend, he's more than just a prophet. Many of the false religions of the world recognize Jesus as a prophet, as a man who said good things, or maybe who had power with God. But they don't recognize and realize that He is God the Son. I tell you, friend, He's more than just a preacher. and more than just a prophet. What went you out in the wilderness for to see? A reed shaken in the wind. What went you out in the wilderness for to see? A prophet, yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. I tell you, Jesus is more than what this religious world ever knows that He is. Amen. He cared enough to see in the very best. He's the person that He's talking about. Christ Jesus came in the world. He's just a person to many. He's just a prophet to others. He's just another phony to some. There are those who look upon Jesus the way they look upon some TV evangelist. as just another religious charlatan who came trying to gain or to get a following. Oh, but friend, He's much more than that. Nobody else was ever born like he was born. Amen. 
I mean, he had a had a mom and a daddy. But they were on different planets. Amen. My friend, his mama was a human being. And his daddy was a God of heaven. I mean, friend, he was born of a virgin. He was poor like nobody else was born. He lived like nobody else ever lived. I mean, tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. He died like nobody else has ever died. For the sin of the whole world. Oh, my friend, he was raised from the dead like nobody else was ever raised. There were a few others that got raised. And Lazarus, he called him forth. And the widow of woman had named her son. In the midst of a funeral procession, he called him out of the casket. He raised up, my friend, Jairus' daughter from the bed where she was dead. In the Old Testament, there were some that were resurrected off the bones. And the Prophet, amen. Elijah breathed in the nostrils and looked face to face and eyeball to eyeball. And the widow woman's son, the little woman's son, Elisha did the same. And for that woman who built a room in her house, for her son, but none of those people ever got out of the grave of their own power. But Jesus said, My Father loves me because I lay my life down. And if I have the power to lay it down, I've got the power to take it up again and he said destroy this temple and I'll build it again in three days I tell you nobody ever died like he died and nobody ever got up like he got up but because he got up one day we all are going to get up amen there'll be a resurrection following after him oh my friend and one day he's going to return like nobody else has ever returned my friend whenever it came to towards a time that they were fighting the Pacific Ocean during World War II. That great General Douglas MacArthur told them folks in the South Pacific as he was relieved of his duties and it looked like they were losing the war. He said, I'll be back. Oh, and he left and went away. And when the war got really bad, they put him back in charge again. And after he got back in charge, they did win the battle. It was a triumphant return. But I tell you, ain't nobody ever came back. Our Jesus is going to come back. He went away like Superman. And He's coming again like the Lone Ranger. Amen. He's coming again riding a white horse. He rode a donkey. A peace. A symbol of peace through Jerusalem. The last trip He made. But He's coming back riding a symbol of my friend of dominance. And to my friend of ruling and reigning in one of these days, he's going to ride back through Jerusalem. And it won't be a time of peace. It'll be a time of war. And he'll be the victor over it all. I just want to say tonight, there is nobody, nobody like my Lord. Hallelujah. God gave the best for the worst. Hallelujah. The person... Oh, praise God. You won't come up with nothing no better than Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. The person of whom it speaks. Then notice the purpose with which it states. The purpose of which it states. It says that Christ Jesus came into the world. Notice why? To save the sinners. Jesus didn't come to build a kingdom. And He didn't come to enrich Himself. And He didn't come to become a mega a star or a superstar, my friend, or a movie star, or an icon, my friend, he didn't come to build his name, or his reputation, or to garner support, my friend, of some kind, he didn't come to give somebody vote, my friend, he just came to save sinners, that's what he came for, sin is eternally, serious friend, the justice and holiness of God, 
Yet man's punishment for sin. And he could not be a righteous God if he did not deal with a sin that's not right. And the Bible said in Ecclesiastes or Ezekiel 18 and 20, the soul that's sinning, it must surely die. The price that is to be paid for sin is a death. Amen. And yet Luke 19 and 10 said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. You see, when we were lost, we were irrecoverably ruined. The Lord came to rescue us from the destruction and the death and the damnation that sin brings upon us. Oh, and we could not save ourselves. I'm so glad He sent us a Savior. When we could not help ourselves, I'm so glad He sent us what we needed. Oh, praise God, what we needed was a Savior pure and dying for the wrongs we've done. What we needed was a holy sacrifice. God's only begotten Son. When the world all around was bound for hell and hope of all was lost. What we needed God provided through His Son on the rugged cross. I'm so thankful He sent us what we needed tonight. Hallelujah. One man said it this way, and I love this. If our greatest need had been knowledge, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been health, God would have sent us a physician. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a Savior. And that Savior was His own Son. He sent the best for the worst. Jesus didn't just come this way to show us the way to heaven. He is the way to heaven. Jesus didn't just come to lead us to life. He is the life. Amen. And in Him was life. And that life was the life of men. Embrace God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Hallelujah to the Lamb tonight. He is the purpose. Our Savior. Oh, Joseph called His name Jesus. For He shall save His people from their sin. He came to save sinners. It's a faithful saying. It's worthy of your acceptation tonight. It's worthy of your acceptation. If you've never accepted this account, if you've never accepted this truth, if you've never accepted this this saying, it's worthy of your acceptation tonight. The people, the person of whom it speaks, the purpose of which it stakes. But then notice the people who it seeks. He didn't come into the world to save good folks. He didn't come in the world to save rich folks. He didn't come in the world to save the elite or so that He might bring all the religious people to heaven. But He said He came into the world to save sinners. Hallelujah. Had He come for white folks, then the other ones would have been left out. Had He come for black folks, then all the rest of them would have been left out. Had He just come for rich folks, most all of us had just been left out. Had He come for smart folks, then most of us would have just been left out. Oh, but since He came for sinners, they didn't none of us get left out. Woo! Did ever sinner find that he would not take him? No, not one. He came to save sinners. That's why I'm a qualified candidate tonight. One night I discovered that not only did God send His Son to save sinners, but that meant me. That I was the sinner. That I was lost. That the Lord wanted to save mine worthy soul. Oh, my friend, when most people hear the title sinner, they think of some seedy scoundrel somewhere stealing money from an old lady's purse or some old lowlife who's someone that's a lot worse than what they are. And yet all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I tell you, that means we are all candidates to be saved. 
There's none good, no, not one. There's none that doeth good. There's none that seeketh after God. They're all gone away backwards. Even their righteousness, filthy rags in the sight of God. Oh, I'm telling you, people don't even like to hear the word sinner anymore. My friend, I found out trying to send text messages. My telephone, whoever programmed that thing from Google or whatever else, they don't like the word sinner. I can type sinner in on a text message or an email and it tries to auto-correct me. I think to myself, yeah, that's what the world's trying to do to the Bible. That's what the world's trying to do to God. When they're His Word that my friend condemns them, they try to auto-correct. They try to turn it all around. But I'm telling you, wrong is still wrong. And sin is still sin. And God is still righteous. And He still will judge sin. Amen. Oh, God, help us. Every sinner needs a Savior. And every man, my friend, is a sinner until the Savior does a miraculous work in his life. And my friend, it's considered politically incorrect to even utter such a judgmental term. I have been lambasted on social media for doing something as simple as thanking the Lord. And my friend, for a place and for a church, a service where sinners could come to know Jesus or for requesting prayer for sinners to come to know God. I've been labeled as a hater, a religious nut, a judgmental fanatic, a self-absorbed, a self-centered, a sanctimonious hypocrite because I have a burden for sinners. And by the way, I read those off because those are quotes. Amen. I'm telling you, just for using the word a sinner. I had a young lady one night went off on me for about 20 minutes. I know I mean, never even met the person. I went off on me like a Roman candle for about 20 minutes. I because I simply bothered to use the word sinner. And all I was doing was asking for folks to pray for sinners. That they might know the Lord. As a matter of fact, y'all don't know it, but she attacked everybody in this church. She said, well, by your definition of sinner, I said, I would imagine that everybody in your church would fit the bill. You know what I told her? Yes, ma'am, you're absolutely right. Amen. And that's exactly right. I told her we haven't got no perfect folks down at our church. Every one of us is born again. And we were sinners lost until the Lord showed up in our lives on a thing separating us from hell with our necks broke. Here's the marvelous grace of God's dear Son. I'm telling you, God came to save sinners. And I'm glad I'm included in the number. I'm not ashamed tonight. If Satan found me in my sin, that he found me when I was lost, and that the only thing good in me is that thing that Christ has put into my life. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. He came to save sinners. And I'm going to tell you, the world and their problem with the word sinner and their problem with preaching on sin has not squelched nor smothered nor killed in my heart my burden for sinners. And it hadn't caused me to stop saying the word. Matter of fact, it makes me want to say it more. I mean, sometimes I just want to get up and fill a mean street crossing up my leg. And it makes me want to just tell him, say sinner, 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 sinner. Amen. I mean, just to go ahead and eat up the modernist world. And to let them just go ahead and have their skin crawl for a little while. God help us until you come head on with the reality that you're lost, that you're guilty, that you can't help yourself. You won't ever get saved. But if God opened your blinded eyes to who you are and what you are and what lies ahead of you, if God doesn't save you, and then you can see the only resolution and solution in your life or in eternity is in God's dear Son. And that in spite of your sin, He wants to to save somebody like you. It'll change you forever, friend. It'll change you forever. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm glad He does. Jesus came to die for sinners. And since we have all sinned, then you're a candidate for salvation tonight. Salvation! Don't know if you realize it or not, but it's for sinners only. No one else need apply. Amen? No need in putting in your application to be saved if you're not lost. If 
you're not a sinner. If you're not guilty, you don't need a Savior. But tonight, if you understand you're not saved, if you understand that you're lost, if you understand you're guilty, if you understand that hell is a place prepared for the devil and his angels, that every person who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ in the forgiveness of sins will spend eternity there. If you understand that reality in your life, I will put your trust in Jesus and forgive your sins and wash it clean and right in the sight of God. I've got news for you. Jesus saves people like you. Jesus saves people like you. The Gospel is good news for bad people. Amen. What about all them good people? They ain't none. Amen. What about all them innocent people? There's not any innocent people. They're all guilty people. Amen. Hallelujah. That's right. No need you even talking about them criminals and saying, well, that fellow was found innocent of his crime. Nobody's ever been found innocent. They get found not guilty. They may not be guilty of the specific crime that they were charged with. Or there might not have been sufficient evidence to, to uh, find them guilty beyond a reasonable doubt and convict them. But there's nobody that is innocent. I mean, friend, we're living in a world full of guilty folks. And you're going to have to own your guilt. You're going to have to accept your record. You're going to have to quit making excuses and defiling complaints and blaming others and say, It's me, oh Lord. I'm standing in the need of prayer. I've got to have God because I'm a sinner and I'm at odds with the Holy God. And the only hope I have is in the blood of Jesus Christ. The gospel is good news for bad people. I've met some interesting people in my life. I've met some folks that I had, uh, I probably could have written in my diary at night and been satisfied without having ever come across their path. I've met some people that uh, I leave their presence shaking my head and wondering how they have sense enough to eat regular and to make it back and forth to the bedroom to sleep at night. I mean, I meet some folks that I, has driver's license and automobiles and owns homes that I wonder how in the world they ever even survive from one day to the next. I've met some interesting folks. I've met some folks that uh, were educated beyond their intelligence and had all kinds of smarts but didn't have sense enough to come in out of the rain. I mean, I've seen all kinds. I've seen big people and small people. And I've met uh, smart people and, and uh, foolish people and educated and uneducated and wealthy and poor. But I'm going to tell you some people that I've never met in my life. Two kinds I've never met. I have never met a person so good that they didn't need to be saved. I've never met a person. I don't care what works they have done, where they have been, what sort of thing they've been involved in, how hard that they've labored. I've never, how pious that they are, how religious that they are. I've never met a person, not one, that was too good to need to be saved. Secondly, the second kind of person I've never met, I've never met a person who was so bad that God could not save them. Amen. I've never met somebody so good that they didn't need to be saved, and I've never met somebody so bad that God God wasn't able to save them. And since that's the case, we're all bound to fall in this same. Into that scope where Jesus said, or Paul said that Jesus came to save sinners. It's people like us Jesus came to save. If you look above in Paul's personal testimony in this text, you look at the verses above us, you see sinners listed. Verses 9 and 10, knowing this, that the law is not made for righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly, for the sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers. This is pretty bad territory, isn't it? For whoremongers. You know what kind of people Jesus saves? Whoremongers. Murderers. For them that defile themselves with mankind. Is that not what your Bible says? For men-stealers. Those are slavers. People that capture people and sell them off into slavery. John Newton was one of them and God saved him. For liars. we got more than our fair share of them in this generation, don't we? For perjured persons. And if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. 
If I didn't mention your sin, in other words, God still came to save you from it. Put yours in that blank. Whatever it is that you think that's so bad God can't save you, put it in the last line of that verse. God came and sent His Son to save you from those kind of sins. I didn't say that. That's what the Word of God says. How about that? This is sort of an all-star team of sinners. Yet Paul said... Somebody said, now wait a minute, the Lord didn't come to save all them, them's just sinners. Like Paul was listening. But Paul said this, it's a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners and of the whole all-star team. I'm the chief. I'm the captain. I'm the worst of the worst. That crowd that's in verses 9 and 10, I was as bad or worse than all of them. And God can't send His Son to save somebody like me. And if He can save the worst of the worst, He can save you too. And God has sent the very best for the worst. He was before, according to verse 13, He was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But he said, I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. You see, Paul was a Jewish jihadist. But look at verse number 16. He said, how be it for this cause, I obtained mercy. I'm glad God gives mercy. That in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on Him to life everlasting. Let me interpret that verse for you. Paul said, I'm a living example that if God can save me, He can save anybody. And God saves somebody like me. And so everybody would know that He can save somebody like you. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He gave the best for the worst. Years ago, there was a beautiful lady named Charlotte Elliott. She was reading poetry at a gathering of wealthy, noble people at a lovely British home. Sounds like a place where all of us would fit in real good, doesn't it? (laughs) She was the talk of the social gathering. Socialite elite were blown away with her beauty as well as her intelligence. At the end of the party, all the people began to approach her to tell her how talented and beautiful she was and how lovely she could sing when she sang those songs and how beautiful she could quote the poetry and how they were so moved by her capacities. But a preacher by the name of Caesar Milan was there and preachers have a way of messing all that good feeling stuff up. Caesar went up to this young lady and he said, Dear lady, I really don't mean to offend you, but I want to tell you that amidst all the praise you're receiving tonight, Unless you get saved, you're going to die just as lost as the most wicked harlot in all of London. She didn't much appreciate what Caesar had to say. She didn't much appreciate the message at all. It angered her and it bothered her. It bothered her so much that it hit in her heart like a dart, like an arrow in the heart of this young woman, Charlotte Elliott. She went home that night so angry and incensed and just frustrated she couldn't sleep, tossing and turning on her pillow at night. She was frustrated and all she could hear was the words of the preacher, if you don't get saved, if you don't get right with God, you're going to die and go to hell just like the dirtiest and rottenest harlot in all of London. And she thought herself way above them. Oh, but as she found herself on her bed that night, as she saw herself guilty before God, and the flames of hell impending in her judgment, and finally about three o'clock in the morning, as she made her way out of her bed and on her knees, and she knelt down and gave her heart and her life to Jesus, and asked God to save a dirty wretch like her. Later in life, Charlotte would write these words about her experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we still have it recorded for us today. And it's been used in invitational hymns time and time again. As she wrote these words, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. 
Uh, she realized she wasn't good enough. Uh, she may impress the social elite. Uh, she might blow away the rich and famous with her intellect and beauty. Uh, her talent might be that uh, that folks would long for and be jealous over. Uh, but when she stood before the judgment bar, uh, all she could do was present herself inadequate. Uh, and to my friend, that she was a sinner and lost. Uh, but rather than trying to impress God, uh, she gave God and the pieces of her life that she had. And the Lord has saved her soul. I'm telling you, God has sent the best for the worst. Just as I am. Without any sort of argument for myself, I'm just going to give myself to the Lord. Realize and accept the fact that Jesus is great and I'm small. John Newton got on in life and as an old man he said... uh, I've forgotten much, and I've learned much, and I've forgotten much. I've experienced much, and I've forgotten much. But one thing I know, whereas I am a great sinner, Christ is a great Savior. Hallelujah. If you're going to come to Jesus, that's how you're going to have to come tonight. A sinner. I want us to sing page 81. Just as I am without one plea. If you're going to come to Jesus tonight, that's how you have to come as a sinner. The good news is that He came to save sinners. He did not come so you could straighten up and make yourself good enough for Him. He came because you couldn't make yourself good enough for Him. Come on around to the instruments, please. The good news is that He came to save sinners. He gave the best for the worst. You ever felt like you were on the bottom of the barrel tonight? You ever felt like that uh, there wasn't another one, one other one of the folks around that was as bad off as what you were and as bad as what you were? I remember when I was lost before I come to know the Lord. As a bunch of times I looked around, my granddaddy was a pastor, so I knew everything about folks, good and the bad. Most of it was good. Boy, there's times I'd look around and think to myself. That one there with what I know on them, if they're saved, then I'm a lot more saved than they are. If they're going to heaven, then I surely am because I'm a lot better than them. I don't know what the times that I knew stuff on people and I think to myself, they want to sing in the choir. That person teaches Sunday school. I know I'm miles ahead of them. I found myself sometimes doing so good, I thought I really didn't even need to be saved because I'm concerned about it. But when the Holy Ghost got a hold of me that night with Danny before he got done with me, I was so lost I didn't know how God had ever saved somebody as bad off as what I was. How would the Lord ever have mercy on somebody as far gone as what I was? When the Lord got done with me, it was more of a concern would He dare save somebody as rotten as me. I wasn't worried about nobody else. It was just me and the Lord then. I hadn't shot nobody. I hadn't cussed nobody out. I hadn't stolen anything. I had not been to prison. I hadn't molested somebody. I hadn't done a lot of these giant things that I might know about others. Oh, but I was so lost. So lost. And I sold myself as dirty as a human could get. Oh, but thank God I'm glad that I knew the Lord that saved sinners. And I just asked Him to save me. And He did what He promised He would. And He saved me. It's amazing how all them people I thought I was better than them. When I got saved, I looked around and thought, man, they're so far ahead of me. I may never grow in grace enough to be like them. I may never measure up to be the great Christians they are. All those I found fault with, so many of them. But when I got born again, I wanted to be more like them. I would have learned to see that there's like me that's fighting old flesh, but that's trying to live for God. And they were miles ahead of where I was. And I had a lot of catching up to do. God's been merciful and He's been gracious to me. Tonight, if you're lost, you, I, don't, I know it's Wednesday night prayer meeting. I know this is revival meeting preaching. This is this is Sunday morning sermon stuff. But I'm telling you, if you're sitting on a Wednesday night in a prayer meeting lost, I sure would hate to know I was going to hell off a prayer meeting pew at a Baptist church. If you don't know the Lord, deny us tonight to get your life right with God. To come and present yourself before God and just admit who you are. And beg God to have mercy on your soul. And He will.
will do what He said He would do. It's what He came for. He came to save people just like you and me. You need to stand tonight. If you need to pray, you come. Let's sing page number 81. Everybody stand with us. We're singing page 81, Just As I Am. Sister Charlotte Elliott wrote it right. I'm not trying to bargain. I'm not trying to be anything. I'm not, Lord. It's just me. And I'm standing in need of prayer. You need to pray. Would you come? Let's sing. As I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. sang three or four verses of this song. There's only three verses. I remember getting to the end of that verse and thinking that maybe this will be the last one. If I can just make it through this last verse, I'll be okay. I'll leave out of here and I'll put all this behind me and I won't worry about it no more. I thought they'd never quit singing. I wanted them to stop. But then I remember a night when they started to sing like that and they got to the end of it. And I thought, if they'll just sing one more verse, I'm going to do business with the Lord. I was in trouble that night. But they didn't sing another verse. And I didn't do business with God that night. The Lord had mercy on me. I'm glad I got an opportunity to be saved. But I'm telling you tonight... This is the third and the last verse of the song. And if God's dealing with your heart, now's not the time to try to cut a deal with the Lord. Now's the time to cast your burden on the Lord and leave it there. Y'all sing with me prayerfully this third verse. Let's sing. Just as I am, thou wilt receive, wilt welcome Paul. That's what he did. Because thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. That song says, Because thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God. As a kid, I didn't always get words just right. You know, we sometimes don't. I sang it for years because I promise. I promise. I believe. Well, the night that I came to the Lord, I felt almost like I needed to convince Him that I was trusting in Him. He knows my heart. I promise, Lord, I believe You. I promise. I'm going to tell you, it's been a lot easier to trust Him since that night. Not always is it easy, but it's easier than it was that night. I'm glad He saved my soul. The best for the worst. I'll give you what the Lord's given give me tonight to share with you. I hope that you've been obedient to the Lord. It'd be foolish of us to leave this evening without praying for sinners. It'd be foolish of us to leave without praying for sinners. So let's do that. But Logan, you mind leading us to the Lord in a word of prayer? Pray for sinners tonight.